Hey, welcome to the Relevant Podcast, a podcast where we talk about whatever irrelevant stuff we want. We both currently work in the zoo field, and nothing we say reflects the organizations we work for, and all thoughts and opinions are our own. This podcast does contain strong adult language, so listener discretion is advised. Hi, friend. Hello there. How are you? I feel like, yeah, this is our first podcast. It'd be a good time. You know, this is my favorite thing. You've done it twice now. Uh, would Would you like to introduce yourself? I, I sh- probably should. We, For anybody listening, this is our second time recording this first episode because we realized the first episode was way too loud. So congratulations to us. Courtesy of um, me not understanding yeah. how mics work. I know. Um, I guess we should probably introduce ourselves. So um, yeah, let's just say who we are, what our backgrounds is, and kind of like what to expect with this podcast. So I'll go first, I guess. So hi, I'm Ben. Uh, I come from the aquatic mammal backgrounds. Um, I started out in education in the zoo field. Then very recently, I am transitioned into the animal training side of things and the animal care. Um, so it's a very good time working with lots and lots of burbs. Yeah, you've, you've progressed in such a know. great and glorious way. Um my name is Alice. I am currently working in life support at an aquarium. So I work in water quality, maintaining the water at levels that is safe for our animals, as well as making sure all our equipment stays operating and correct. You'd be surprised how many things will leak water when it's not supposed to. Absolutely love it. And um, just so everybody knows, Alice and I are friends. We have been friends for I just like realized this the other day but this is going to be our third year of knowing each other and that's kind of scary oh my gosh it's already our third anniversary that's crazy I know I was just thinking about this because I was talking to one of our friends and I was like oh yeah I haven't like seen you in two years it seems and that like kind of just blew my mind and now we're all professionals in our developmenting field I know this is our first podcast and like I said in the intro, basically we're just going to be covering all sorts of different topics from science in uh, movies to animals in animal care. We're going to possibly have fun people that we know come in and join us as well. But for today's podcast, Alice, do you want to say what we're talking about? Because I feel like this is kind of your thing that you. Yes, this is thought. my this is my grand ship of introduction. Uh, there is a name for that. I've lost what it is, but uh, this is my my maiden voyage of topics. Um, I know between Ben and I that we have visited several uh, zoological facilities, and I think it'd be fun for both of us to kind of pick out our favorite in a couple of categories. So. I made some artificial categories while I was at work because I have two hours of lab every morning where my brain just sits and does whatever it likes. So I have a list of categories here for you. I will list them off. Um, We have a couple of different ones that are best, like sort of like best in show as well as a couple different other things. So we have um, best for seeing species variety, um, best terrestrial habitats, Um, Best for education, best for public research, best for saltwater species, best for freshwater species, 
Those don't have to be aquarium specific, but it's more likely that we're probably going to end up using aquariums for those. And I believe our last one, oh, we have two more, um, creative habitats and native species representation. Did yeah. I get them all? Did and I then, all? yeah, um, I have them all written down on my iPad as well. I would like to add that I made it a rule that we cannot use the same facility more than once. So as we've both clarified uh, after visiting the San Diego facilities and some other places in California, a lot of their facilities are really top-notch, and it would be really unfair to put them all at the top rank. So I can only use my San Diego Safari Park token one time in this list. Yeah, because especially with like a lot of these newer facilities, it's like they are so top-tier and so new that they are going to have the newest and best thing possible and available. Now that we've laid out our ground rules, would you like to get started? Yes. Yeah, sure. So I focused more on the exhibit design slash welfare and training standpoint, because again, I'm an animal training nerd and it is something I very much love. Uh, So best for native species. Um, For me, I chose the Monterey Bay Aquarium. They're kelp forest exhibit specifically. I personally feel like it best represents California species very well. Uh, is a 28-foot viewing window, so if you ever see on their website or their Instagram that really tall window, uh, that's going to be that kelp forest exhibit. Now, I also think it's kind of ironic that the Monterey Bay Aquarium used to be a cannery. So, history lesson... Uh, All of Monterey used to be a sardine cannery. A majority of the town was. And so they repurposed the aquarium when it was that cannery into an aquarium, if that makes sense. That didn't make sense to me, but it should make sense. If Uh, one person understands that, that's fine. I get your gibberish, Ben. Don't worry. The facility that I ended up picking for this was one I visited fairly recently. I ended up using the aquarium of the pacific as my best representation for native species i do think it's a little bit of a cheat that california has such easy access to such well-known aquarium species so it does make it a little bit easier but i think that of the vast array of large fauna that's like really known that the smaller things i get left behind also had a really good uh, exhibit and sort of explanation and education about those animals so all the way from small jellies and octopus up to sea lions and otters and things you expect when you visit California are all in this facility. And I think it does a really good job of walking you through the different types of habitats you can find in California. I would also like to clarify, I'm not from California. So seeing these things is actually really interesting because they are things I don't always associate with that state. Yeah. Um, Also to clarify, I am from California I grew up in Southern California, so I grew up going to the Aquarium of the Pacific and know that facility very well. What's our next category of sport? Um, Next up, we have most creative habitat design. Do you want to go first? Uh, I don't know if we have the same one for this or not. I put Discovery Cove from... Oh, we have different ones, yeah. It's an extension of SeaWorld, 
I don't know if they have one in California or not, but I am aware of the one in Orlando. I have visited that one twice. It is a very interesting experience. If you ever get the opportunity to go, I highly recommend going because it's basically a private tropical island in the middle of Orlando, which sounds crazy because you know you're in the city, but they've designed it so well for the people as well as the animals that you get to free swim in their saltwater reef. Now, I don't believe any of the coral pieces we were around were real, but they had different types of rays and fish and other animals swimming around in the water that you could, you know, swim next to, swim up to. You just can't touch, which is, you know, a great rule to have when there's live animals around. But the experience is really fun because you get to see a lot of different animals up really, really close in their habitat with them. So normally there's a you know, a wall or a window or something between you and the animal, and this time there's nothing. There's no boundary except for understanding that personal space, which is a really cool interactive experience. For my most creative habitat design, I chose the Jacksonville Zoo, uh, their African primate exhibit, because if you ever look up a picture of it, which I highly recommend you do, it is this central hub, which is this giant metal tree that is connected through tunnels. Uh, up above, which represent the branches, and these tunnels connect to all of their primate habitats. So they have um, Sifak lemurs, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but Zabumafu lemurs, pretty much. Uh, they have one of my favorite animals on this planet, bonobo chimps. They have gorillas. All of them have access or can have access to this central hub at any point throughout their day, which I think is amazing because it gives that variability um just something that they may not be able to have in a smaller setting you know but i think that habitat if you ever get a chance to go visit jacksonville or just view it online you will understand why i love it so much because it truly works from an animal training standpoint from a husbandry standpoint from a welfare standpoint it just checks off all those boxes for me I would love to go visit them again. 10 out of 10. Yeah, I haven't actually been to Jacksonville yet. It's definitely on my list of places to visit. Um, if there is a chance that you are on Instagram, I highly recommend checking out our Instagram page. We have posted a couple pictures of the different facilities and habitats that we really enjoy at some of the places we have visited. So if you'd like to check that out, our Instagram page is a relevant podcast. If you're dyslexic like myself, it's saying it's spelled the way that it's uh, spoken out loud does not help. I am so, so sorry. I will try my best to help you along the way. Yeah, we're also on Twitter now. I made us a Twitter la last night um, while, while we're filming this, while, while recording this. I made a Twitter for us last night, so it's been up for probably like a few weeks now. But yeah, nice, super fun. Our next category is going to be Best Terrestrial Habitat. Best Terrestrial Habitat. Uh, I think that you can take this one first, Ben. All right. So for Best Terrestrial Habitat, I chose the Living Desert Zoo and Gardens. Their savannah habitat has a beautiful mountain range. It is also, um, it uses the, uh, just the natural elements so the way the landscape naturally was they didn't really change it that much 
I think they added like a palm and like a few trees into it. Overall, the entire habitat was not really, um, it didn't really have to be designed that much or moved around. This natural landscaping creates a more intimate view for all the animals. Uh, it's multi-species, so they have giraffe, ostriches, kudus, guinea fowl. Uh, I have friends who work at that park, so I am a little bit biased uh, with my selection of it. But what I really love about this habitat is that they have an entire section just dedicated to training the giraffes. It's called their GC3 section. And in this section, they can do voluntary blood draws. They can do voluntary hoof trims. Again, the keyword to all of this is that it is, in fact, voluntary. These animals aren't forced to do anything. They are just simply asked. If they don't want to participate, that's up to them. But again, this beautiful mountain range with this beautiful natural landscape, 10 out of 10. I love it so much. Yeah, Alice, this is all up to you, man, because I... Uh, yeah i love this habitat. <laughs> you're at the end of your rope on that one yeah okay well i'll try my best to follow up with that um i do believe that i ended up selecting uh disney's animal kingdom for my terrestrial mostly because i really enjoy the um the savannah space i don't know what it is about savannah spaces that make it just so much more interesting i think it's being able to see those big open wide habitats for animals it just gets my little giblets going but it is a really immersive experience i do enjoy the fact that you can get on a vehicle and drive through the habitat so once again there are no boundaries between you and the animal besides the personal space so it's a really neat experience to go and do that and they also have the wild africa trek experience there which allows for you to be suspended above several habitats to look down on animals, which is really fun. Yeah, I think Animal Kingdom is a great choice for that. I also think people forget that Animal Kingdom is in fact a zoo and that they are accredited through the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. But first and foremost, they're a theme park. They're part of the Disney company, and I don't think people really associate zoos with Disney. But, you know, it's a good time either way. They do technically have three AZA facilities at Disney, just in case anyone is curious. Oh, they do. Yeah, there's technically I three. I only thought of two. I was like, what's the third? <laughs> Surprise. Surprise. They have a hotel that's a zoo. What? It's pretty it's pretty great. Um Yeah, that's really impressive that if you can have a hotel that's also a zoo. Like props to you, Disney. Congratulations. The next category we have is going to be best for education. All right, this one's the one that I really get inspired and frightful of because Ben and I both, we actually met as educators. I've been an educator for, I educated for two years in zoological facilities. And now that I'm in a technical position, I'm not doing it as, as much. But I still think of myself as an educator, and so when I visit facilities, I am actively looking for education material, so I know if you have it or not. I'm paying attention. But yeah, I'm going to throw um, a one a, a, a ringer out there for you. A lot of people who are from the Midwest might have heard of this, but my lovely friend here, Ben, Mr. California, definitely had not heard of this zoo before, and that is the Fort Wayne's Children's Zoo in Indiana. I am a fellow resident Hoosier. I'm just currently living in Georgia, but the 
Fort Wayne Children's Zoo is probably one of the coolest zoos I've ever visited because with its focus on children's education, every single place that you visit in that zoo, every stop is going to have a sign and it's going to teach you something that you probably didn't know before. I have a degree in biology. I learned a lot of stuff in college and I still learn things when I go to Fort Wayne Children's Zoo. So it's a really cool place. They have really great conservation programs that are engaging for all guests of all ages, and it's a it's a really neat experience. So going off of what Alice said, um, we both met working in education. I have been in the zoo field volunteering, interning, and working for about seven years now. So it's my seven-year anniversary. <laughs> that just actually passed like a week ago, so that's fun. There you go. I'm starting to get old. Um, but a lot of my work has been in education, and I'm actually an ambassador keeper now, um, which is weird to say, because I always said, I don't want to do education stuff anymore. But I also just have a real passion and a real heart for it. It's amazing how much but, education will become a passion when you just want to share what you know with people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But what's interesting, though, is that like a lot of zookeepers... We are technically educators still because we know the facts about these animals. We work with them every single day. But for my best in education, I chose something that I think won't shock anybody. It's a two-for-one deal. This is one of them I changed a little bit, so I'm sorry, Alice. Um, I'm ready. But I cheated a little bit because they're technically the same, but they aren't the same. Um, San Diego Zoo and San Diego Zoo Safari Park. It's technically, the, they're two separate facilities, but they're You the have to same. buy tickets from two different places, Benjamin? Okay, well, it still counts if you have a membership, which I highly recommend. You go to both of them. You can spend a day at each of them. It's amazing. But one of the things that I look for in a zoo and in their education departments is signage. Because signs are one of those big things where if you don't have educators available, especially in the time of COVID-19, um, it's not that easy to have education staff members out there interacting with guests all the time. So having signs with facts about the animals, where they're found, where they're located, that's going to be something that helps you out in the long run and something that I really look for. Also, if you haven't been to San Diego Zoo their educational shows, their bird show. When Alice came out and visited me last year, we got to be part of their bird show. And it was one of the most magical things in my entire life. I had a great time with it. Alice, I don't know about you, but I really loved it. I always also, volunteer to be a part of animal ambassador shows. Even absolutely. if they've picked me three times already, I'm like, please pick me again. They're, they have awesome chats as well. We also did their... um what was it, their cheetah safari, and we got to watch, like, the cheetah run, which is, again, a very magical moment that I will cherish forever. But also their safari tram, which I really loved. But most importantly, one thing that I really look for in a zoo and in their education department is transparency. So how willing you are to let your guests know what's going on behind the scenes. Um, because that's something that I feel like has been an issue with zoos in the past, is that we weren't being open and honest with our, the public about what we were doing and why we were doing it. So the San Diego Zoo, their elephant barn, is 
fully open to the guests to see them throughout the day. They have signs up in there. So I think that's just the one, two of what I really enjoy and what I really liked about them. And that's why they're my best in education. For your next topic, we have best for species variety. Oh, well, isn't that convenient that we were just talking about the San Diego Safari Park? My answer to that question is San Diego Safari Park. One of the things I would love to clarify the most about the San Diego Safari Park is, yes, it does have a lot of animal species variation. Um, They just recently, in the last year, acquired platypus there, which is the main reason, besides going whale watching, that I flew to California right before COVID was a thing to see Ben. I changed my whole schedule so we could go see the platypus at the safari park because they have not been in zoos for 60 years and I'm very excited for that. But the safari park isn't just known for its animal species, but it also has a wide variety of plant species, which a lot of the times people will put on the the back burner. They don't really think about plants being a very, very varied. Why would I pick those words? Um, species group. So I believe on their website it mentions how many species there are. I believe it's over 150 unique species are found within the safari park and they're mostly native and each little plant has its own little plaque. So you can learn the species as you go. So not only are you learning about animals found all over the world, but you're learning about some of the things you can find right there in California, which is really nice. Hell yeah. We love to hear it. San Diego Zoo, y'all. Go visit it. Um, this is one of the ones that I changed Excellent. like within the past two weeks. So you haven't heard this one yet, but I'm ready. Uh, this is one that I went to literally a year ago. One year ago today, I went to this zoo. So it's only fitting that I talk about it. Zoo Miami. If you haven't been to Zoo Miami, it is the oldest zoo in Southern Florida. But you would not know unless somebody told you that. Because this zoo is massive with multiple multi-species habitats. They have, let me put this into numbers for everybody. They have 3,000 animals on property with more than 100 different habitats for their animals. Does that include reptiles and amphibians? It sure does. Okay, so those are those tend to be smaller habitats. I just like to clarify. Yeah, um, they do have their zoo split up into four sections, though. It is their African section, uh, the Amazon, Australia, Asia. Oh no, I guess it's five sections. No, it's six. I can't do math. <laughs> this is going great. Okay, taking it back. Um, They have multiple sections to their zoo. They have the African section, Amazon, Australia, Asia, Critter Connection in Florida. Wow, I love a zoo that has a Florida section. I know. It is. They have all Florida species in there. They have a Florida panther who I fell in love with and I could watch her all day. Um, It took me an entire day to see the entire zoo. And even with that being said, I did not even see every single species they had. But to make it even kind of more embarrassing, I was on a bike the entire day. They rent out bikes that you can pedal around. 
it's one of those four person like everybody panels but I have no friends and so I went by myself and I had a great time but it is a massive zoo with so many variety of species I it's just amazing I think we're gonna have to make a trip when the opportunity arises my friend absolutely so next up on our list we have the best for public research okay so i'm gonna clarify because i did not clarify to ben previously and i need to clarify for myself once again when i was selecting my facility for public research i was looking at things you can find while you're in the park things that you can learn when you look on their website and things you can find if you are just googling it on the internet so i picked a facility that i thought covered all three really well and are pretty easy to attain this information from so i picked zoo atlanta and i picked that one because a lot of their training videos and training that turned into research that then was utilized at other facilities is on video throughout the park. So Zoo Atlanta is one of the first zoos to ever do voluntary blood draws from gorillas and they're kind of the ones that created the technique and then gave it to others and they talk about that in the zoo as well as online on their website and you can look it up if you google it. So it's a pretty cool facility and they have a lot of projects like that all over the place, especially their panda program. We talk a lot about the panda program there. As one of the many zoos that I want to go visit at some point because I have multiple friends who have worked there and who talk so highly of it. And yet I still haven't been. It's pretty great. They have tanuki, um, which is a species of animal that I didn't know was real. It's a what? A tanuki. I need to know what the f*** that is. You don't know what the tanukis are? No. They're raccoon dogs from Japan. I feel like I should know this. Aren't you I am Japanese? Japanese. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad. Um, so for my best for public research, as Alice said, she was not very specific with how this was described to me. That's She's just my like, bad. I'm public. so sorry. It's fine. But after we recorded this the first time, it became more clear to me. Uh, originally, I had the Seattle Aquarium. But first off, I've never been to the Seattle Aquarium. My parents went... So I counted it. It doesn't count. He's never been there. It doesn't count. But they have a great uh, research paper on empathy and education, which I highly recommend to anybody in the field to read. I think it's available on their website. I don't know. Uh, but definitely check it out if you can. But I decided to change it. I chose um, the Moat Aquarium. So the Moat Aquarium is in Sarasota, Florida. Excuse me, sir. I'm going to interrupt you. It's the Moat Marine Lab. Moat Marine Lab, sorry. sorry. I know them as Moat Aquarium because that's how my friend refers to them as. But it's Moat Marine Lab. If you get a chance, they are a facility basically dedicated to research. A lot of their um, research is actually on site, which is really awesome. They have an on-site library, which I we actually, Alice and I got to take a look at very briefly. Um, thanks to one of my friends, Ross, who works at the aquarium and does some amazing education work. So Ross, if you're listening, please come on the podcast. We'd love to talk to you more about it. Um, but they have some really awesome research going on. Uh, you can check online their online archives for past articles. 
They have really cool online live streams that happen uh, very frequently. Occasionally, they'll do like an adult-only night where it's adult-themed topics, and we'll leave it at that. Next! Okay. Um, Best for salt water. Who's taking it? Who's taking it? Who's taking it? I can it? take it. Um, so you actually mentioned this one earlier, and you gave a very good description of it. But Discovery Cove... So to kind of backtrack what you said, Discovery Cove is found in uh, Orlando, right next to SeaWorld. Now, Discovery Cove is owned and run by the same organization that SeaWorld is owned and run by. Um, You can snorkel float through just some amazing habitats. Uh, There's a variety of species, both aquatic and terrestrial. There were, I think they're macaques on just a little island that they're... Uh, trainers have to actually wade through to get to them. They also have a sloth at the park. I think her name is Lola, and she is the most adorable little thing in the entire world. They bring out for ambassador species, but basically, like you said, it is a tropical island for you to hang out in for an entire day. They also have dolphins there, which I absolutely love. I have friends who are trainers there, and their entire habitat for their dolphins and for their fish is immaculate. It is basically exactly like you would think. Think of like a Hawaiian vacation where you get to go hang out with dolphins and like see all these pretty little fish, but in the middle of Florida. So it's very, very amazing. And like I said earlier, they're run by a theme park company, but they're also a zoo first and foremost. Yeah, I... I would love to talk up that facility more. I think it's really neat. I am going to probably pick a pretty easy one for this answer and go with something that has a lot of variety in saltwater, which is Georgia Aquarium. I think it would be kind of hard to have a best in something and not have Georgia Aquarium on it somewhere for something. And I picked that one because, you know, it has whale sharks. <laughs> It's one of three facilities in the world and the only one in the United States that has them. We also have manta rays at this facility. There are beluga whales, which counts because they live in salt water. They can also live in freshwater rivers briefly, but they're salt water. Uh, there's also a beautiful coral reef wall there. It's actually one of the largest living coral reefs in a human care which is really interesting, and there's a lot of team members that go into maintaining this facility. They just recently opened up a new shark habitat, which is really cool, where they've actually created a cage diving system where they hook you into a a hookah air supply, and they basically teach you how to breathe on a full mask respirator, and then they'll put you in the water, and then you get to breathe. Did I say respirator? I meant regulator. I'm so sorry. They put you in the full mask regulator. (laughs) Respirators are not good, kids, uh, unless you're in the hospital. And then um, they'll put you in the cage dive experience, and they'll actually let you be in the habitat with the sharks. And they have tiger sharks, which is something that I know is not common in a lot of facilities. So if you want an opportunity to see whale sharks, tiger sharks, and giant hammerheads... All three of those exist at Georgia Aquarium. Georgia Aquarium, again, is one of my favorite places, and I absolutely love it. I know all the stats about Georgia Aquarium. If you have any questions, 
shoot them over my way. Yeah. That brings us to best for salt water or best for fresh water. Excuse me. We just did salt water. So for best for fresh water, I chose Georgia Aquarium, uh, specifically their Asian small cloud otter habitat. I chose it for a few reasons. So one, it is beautifully themed. They have this, uh, glass window which you can see above and below the water of these asian small cloud otters um it is personally what i think a prime example of how we have evolved habitat wise so originally zoos and aquariums used to be a place where like hey let's go have people pay to see these animals and now it's kind of evolved into we have these animals We need to protect them at all costs. Zoos and aquariums are these conservation centers to help preserve these species. And going back to what I said about we have these animals, like we need to protect them. Um, I had a conversation with a friend about their habitat. She used to intern with their otters. Uh, I now work with her at my current facility. They basically redecorated and redesigned their entire Asian small cloud otter habitat in order to make it more accessible for uh, their more elderly uh, animals in that habitat. Yeah, I I know that they have a blind otter, I believe, or a, or a mostly blind yeah. otter. So that otter also has a companion otter that is their seeing eye otter. That is the most adorable thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Wow, that's really oh, all you had to say about freshwater? Yeah, that's, that's really all I had to wow. say about it. I love the Georgia Aquarium otters. Ben keeping it short and sweet on that one. Well, I know. Let I, me let me correct you on I, the fact that you are wrong on your freshwater choice, but that's okay because you've never been here before. But we all know that the correct answer for best freshwater facility is the Tennessee Aquarium in Tennessee. <laughs> so it is located in Chattanooga, and it is probably the most intense freshwater facility I've ever seen in my life. I absolutely love how it is designed to travel through the exhibits, but it also has the widest variety in freshwater fish. So it has things that you would find naturally in the rivers in the states around it in surrounding areas, as well as the large South American species like the arapaimas and a lot of the like huge things you would see on river monsters. They have those. They live in that facility. It is so cool. And I think that they definitely deserve all the credit in the world for their freshwater facility. They definitely take all the cake and the rest of the meal with that one. They are on my bucket list of facilities I want to visit at some point. But I have one last question for you. I texted this to you last night. I don't know if you got it or not. Okay, I can do on the spot. Okay. What is your all-time number one favorite zoo or aquarium you visited and why? Ah, um, I know, it's a tough oh, question. There's so many. So I grew up in the Midwest, so I've been to all like the big Midwestern zoos like Columbus, Cincinnati, um, the Newport Aquarium, Shedd Aquarium up in Chicago. I've done all those. Or let me even rephrase this. Ah, oh, there's so many. What is your favorite zoo memory? Zoo memory. Once again, there are so many good ones. Um, I think that the... I'll, I'll, I'll shoot you one better. I'm going to go for a most inspirational for lifelong. 
uh, yes. influence. I think that one of the things that really encouraged me to go into this field when I was a kid was visiting Indianapolis Zoo. That was my home zoo. It's the closest one to us. And they actually redesigned their dolphin facility while I was still living there to put in the dolphin dome. I don't know if anyone has visited there and has seen that dolphin dome, but they have actually built a walk-in space inside the tank so you can walk in and have the dolphins swim in the areas around you. They do like wedding receptions and stuff in there. It's really pretty. Uh, it's really neat. I'm sorry I've been holding out on you, uh, Ben, but they have this really cool dolphin dome thing. And when I was a kid and that opened up, I nearly lost my mind. It was so cool to see those animals up so close. And that is really awesome. It is a really cool experience. And their dolphin show is really educational. I... I find that every time that I watch that show, it's not about the, the cool tricks and the training behaviors and all those things that people normally get excited about. It, it really is about learning about the animal and expressing what we have to do to help save them in the wild. So I, I feel like that facility really encouraged me to become the biologist I am today. Okay, I have two really inspirational, or I have one inspirational and just one fun memory. So... My inspirational story. So growing up, my uncle worked for Anheuser-Busch. Now, Anheuser-Busch, for those of you who don't know, used to be in charge and own SeaWorld, the entire SeaWorld's company. Now, uh, every year for my birthday, my uncle would buy, uh, he would just get me tickets to SeaWorld for me and my family so we could all go and enjoy ourselves and have a nice little vacation and that would be our big family vacation every single year. One of the many shows that SeaWorld had at the time was their sea line show called Fools with Tools. If my mother is listening to this, she knows where this story is going. But um, this show was like a huge inspiration to me because I was like, I saw it and I was like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. And what's interesting, I have this picture and it's like stayed next to my bed the for like years. I just got it reprinted the other day, so I'm really happy to have a better version of it. But uh, I've had that just like next to my bed to kind of remind me why I'm in this field. Cut to 2016, um, the International Marine Animal Trainers Association's uh, annual conference is in San Diego. It's like my first year in college, and... I lied to my college professor and I said I had a family emergency. Now, with this being said, I had a huge like paper that was supposed to be written that day, but I lied to go to this conference. Sorry, mom. I still got my degree. That's all that matters. Anyway, I'm at this conference and I know nobody there. I am overdressed. I am very shy. And the cool thing is the trainer that is in that photo was at this conference and I was like, holy shit, do I go up and talk to her? And I did. And she's very lovely and she gave me some wonderful advice and was so nice to talk to me and she didn't have to, but she was like, you know what? Like, thank you for coming up to me. Like that, like welcome to the field. And she was just really nice and really cool. And I really appreciated her taking that time just to chat with me. I feel like when we're still kind of getting our feet wet with it, but that 
we understand that having people come up to zoo people or educators and being told that you helped change and shape my life is it's kind of a great honor to have. It's only happened to me once or twice at my age, but it's still enough to really keep you going. Yeah, absolutely. I It happened to me the first time the other day, and I about sobbed because this like little girl, she was like, hi, I want to be you when I grow up. And I'm like, ah, I'm not prepared for this right now, but thank you. I want to be me when I grow up too. How did you know? <laughs> um. Okay, but my second fun memory, um, this is more of not a serious one, but you and I and some of our other close friends, when we were all living in Orlando, we took a road trip to Tampa and we went to Zoo Tampa and that is, was, and forever will be one of my most favorite trips I've ever taken because it is, it was just a fun day that I got to hang out with my friends. And that's what zoos and aquariums are all about. While it is, yes, about education and conserving species, but it's also a way for people to connect with one another because we all bonded over animals and our love of animals. So having that opportunity just to view wildlife and just create new memories with you guys was one of my favorite times. Wow, bringing the love in. Yeah, I I think that sharing facilities with people is a really good time. And, you know, we can jump more into... The intricacies of facilities if anyone is interested i think we both have a pretty good knowledge of it but uh if you're ever looking for something to do in an afternoon look up your local zoos um see if they're an accredited zoo a lot of them are affiliated with the aza those are generally good places to go visit they're required to uphold a standard so if you're worried about animal care or the health and safety of anything, that is a really good place to start. But I highly recommend supporting your local facilities and just going out and hanging out with the animals. Absolutely. Um, Now, one thing that I'm going to start doing at the end of the podcast, um, just to summarize for everybody what we kind of talked about during this podcast, because these can get very long and very winded, and I tend to rattle on over the allotted time slot I'm allowed but we're gonna do a too long didn't listen so if you listen to the uh, podcast keeper chat they do this as well I think a ton of other people do this but they coined the term tildill which I will now be using from now on so to hit y'all with that tildill basically we talked about why we like these facilities what's so special about them but There are some amazing facilities out there. There are some not great facilities out there. Check the AZA website to see your local zoo or aquarium and see if they're accredited or not. It's a great place to start to see if they're upholding that standard. If they're not accredited, that is totally fine too. Go to that zoo, see what you like, see what you don't like. Ask questions to those keepers. Ask questions to us. Alice and I know a lot about the zoo field. If we don't know an answer, we will find somebody who does know that answer. But one of the questions I like to ask myself, and I feel like Alice asks this a lot as well, why is it the way that it is? Um, so I yeah, ask that I sarcastically think... and unsarcastically. I would like to clarify. Exactly. Um, but I think that is going to do it for us today. Alice, do you have any last minute comments? Uh, yeah, I, I got to poke a jellyfish today. We're going to be talking about that after this wraps up. <laughs> I have so many questions for you about that. Yeah, I can do that for you. 
Um, but yeah, if you guys have any questions, comments, ideas, etc., please feel free to email us at podcastirrelevant at gmail.com. Podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, uh, irrelevant, spelled I-R-R-E-L-E-P-H-A-N-T. Um, or you can also check us out at, on Instagram, uh, irrelevant underscore podcast. And you can now check out our Twitter account, where I will be tweeting stupid shit periodically about the zoo world and about how much I want to rip off the face of myself. No, but for real, check out our Twitter at irrelevantpod1. Uh, because I will be posting there periodically about topics, uh, other things, all the good stuff. But we hope you guys enjoyed our first podcast. We had fun making this. If it yeah. doesn't go anywhere, that's fine. Our voices will just be on the internet forever. This will be out there for my non-existent grandchildren that I will not be having children to have. Um, but yes, I... <laughs> Uh, thanks for hanging out with us today and if you'd like to contact us ben has given you all of our social links if you follow either one of us personally on social media you can also reach out to us there and we'll do our best to answer your questions for you but yeah thanks for hanging out yeah thanks for listening to our one follower aka my mom thanks ben's mom no but really thank you guys so much for listening come hang out with us again